0: ...of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And just a word to the wise, they are doing some heavy-duty work on Packard tonight between Hill and basically Maine. So inbound or outbound, uh, though they are allowing traffic through, if you're coming into Ann Arbor, uh, take a different route. Turn onto State Street, deal with uh, some traffic jams elsewhere a little bit of student move-in or get your butt on Main somehow, uh, well before Hill, if possible. Well, tomorrow is actually the first day of student
1: move-in, yeah. full, full-blown full official. So it's going to be uh, a, a traffic nightmare downtown. And uh, for those of us just working around and through it the last uh, week or so, um, boy, tomorrow's going to be one to maybe take the bus or uh, bike or uh, just stay. Home, if at all possible.
0: Yeah, the weather's supposed to be wonderful this week. And, uh, the, by the way, there are parking spaces around the WCBN area, so don't hesitate to uh, visit your local establishments. Have a margarita. Have a cold one. Go to the Michigan Theater. Yeah. Go to Encore Records. They've always got some good stuff. Enjoy Ann Arbor while you still can.
1: <laughs> yeah, classes won't start until uh, next week, of course. Yeah. Um And I believe, I was told anyway, uh, that the first U of M football game is this coming Saturday.
0: It is indeed.
1: So uh, there's another heads up for you. And uh, one can only wonder just how that bridge uh, that goes over State on uh, Stadium there is going to stand up. You know, narrowed down to one lane each way as it is. It's a little bit like driving through part of, uh, uh, you know... uh, Suburban Baghdad <laughs> driving over that bridge. Yeah. Nobody's and, shooting at you, but uh, talk about uh, tenuous. desperately <laughs> tenuous uh, infrastructure there. That bridge uh, needs some serious work. Uh, let's hope it uh, withstands the traffic onslaught of uh, U of M football. Traffic.
0: Well, and it's a tangible and palpable example of uh, what they talk about when they talk about infrastructure. This is a classic example of crumbling infrastructure. Um, this has occurred because stadium is... Uh, Frequently traveled by large vehicles, buses, trucks, etc, and the bridge just uh is wearing away, and the concrete looks precarious so uh they're going to have a major uh, project involved in uh, uh refurbishing that bridge over state and uh that's another street to avoid if possible so uh forget about your g p s system yeah <laughs> It might be turn. It might be time to learn how to read a map and figure out an alternative way. In which you look at the big picture, not what the man behind the curtain tells you what to do. Well, anyway, um, I've had a uh, tumultuous last forty-eight hours. Never render assistance <laughs> to a friend that is facing a a. a uh, what do they call it? An appraisal. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Woo. What a what a lot of work the last couple of days. I feel like, you know, when I was in high school, I could do this kind of work. But, man, I think we must have moved about five tons of stuff. Woo. Anyway, um, obviously, uh, the passing of Ted Kennedy, uh, a major historical event. Indeed. And uh, I won't be bashful about saying this. I love Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy stood for something. Ted Kennedy, you know, there's a famous line from Shakespeare. I heard uh, Ken Burns on uh, PBS on Friday quote Henry V. And I believe this is from Henry V. And it's the famous line, some men are born great, some men become great, and others have greatness thrust upon them. And Ted Kennedy probably is the last two he was the runt of the family not much was expected of him probably early on in life youngest of nine and he probably was the guy that was always tagging along and the brothers and sisters were saying shortcake get out of here you're bothering me (laughs) but uh ted kennedy did step up to the plate um over the years And I think that sometimes there is hyperbole uh, involving the passing of somebody as great as Ted Kennedy. Uh, But I don't think the hyperbole was um, uncalled for here. I think that Ted Kennedy was the great senator of the 20th century, uh, particularly from the liberal perspective. He did carry the torch uh, for the Kennedy family in a different way from uh, his brother's. Uh, John F. Kennedy and Bill Clinton, to, to some extent, I think one could call them um, liberal pragmatists. But I think... Tendencies th- towards hawkishness, even. Y- yeah, the Cold War liberal. Clinton had some moments here and there, though he was a relatively reluctant belligerent in the Yugoslav conflict, if you go back and True. check out the, the sort of the internal debates regarding the matter. And, of course, he... Uh, Kept us out of war for most of, most of the eight years. There were some minor military interventions while he was president, but uh, uh, nothing compared to either his <laughs> predecessor or his successor, or even uh, Ronald Reagan himself. But uh, Ted Kennedy did carry the torch on behalf of common people. Uh, he fought for everybody, not just the rich. And he was rich. Much was expected of him. It was my understanding that at one point Joe Kennedy explained this to him. And while Joe Kennedy is a mysterious man in many ways. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, often uh, more dark than light uh,
0: in the reflected image of Joe Kennedy. Let's face it, the Kennedy family made their money uh, during Prohibition as uh, good old-fashioned Irish bootleggers. And, of course, Prohibition was a disaster as a concept from the beginning, and it was promoted by a kind of (laughs) biblical, (laughs) holier-than-thou crowd that, uh, unfortunately, is still with us. But uh, when you look at the uh, masterful accomplishment of Ted Kennedy over the years, it's unsurpassed uh, in American history, Uh, his involvement in civil rights, labor laws, education, women's and child nutrition programs, prenatal care. And he, of course he was always fighting for universal health care. And I think that one of the interesting things while I didn't bring in the obituary in the New York Times, it's it's a lengthy one. I thought that one of the in- most interesting quotes was that in opposing the Iraq war, Ted Kennedy said and I'm paraphrasing here, it was the best vote I made in my 44 years in the Senate. Ted Kennedy led the Senate debate against the resolution, along with Michigan's Carl Levin, um, the, the rascalian uh, Robert Byrd from West Virginia, and Richard Durbin. I think that those four senators distinguished themselves. And I would toss in Jack Reed and Russ Feingold as well. They uh, were some of the more articulate and passionate uh, opponents of the Iraq War Resolution. And I think at the end of the day, as, as people talked about Ted Kennedy, the, the thing that came out the most about him was that he did have a big heart. He cared about America. He cared about his family. And, of course, he was thrust into this role of the so-called patriarch uh, by accident. Um, and, and murder. And murder. And uh, while, uh, of course, the Chappaquiddick episode was certainly uh, an example of Ted Kennedy blowing it. He was harsh on himself. He did not, um, shall we say, run for the Bushes and hide behind his family. Um, He didn't do what George Bush did with respect to National Guard service. And in my mind, there are unanswered questions about the Chappaquiddick incident, both regarding Ted Kennedy's... uh, inability or lack of uh, showing up to the police station in a timely fashion. I believe there was about a 10-hour delay in which he consulted with political advisors, uh, but not, uh, interestingly, loyal, legal advisors, apparently. But there's a bit of a mystery about that. And I have never ruled out the po- uh, possibility that Ted Kennedy, this may have actually been a, a sabotage operation. It's interesting that a gumshoe working for Richard Nixon who's, um, I'll have to bring in the precise spelling uh, next week, but it's it's basically a, a fellow named Alow- Um kind of a gumshoe kind of guy. He apparently was tailing Ted Kennedy uh, on a regular basis after Richard Nixon became president. Uh, we now- Nixon
1: deeply, deeply paranoid about the Kennedys. Yes. I mean, it's all over the... Uh, the tapes, it's all over. You can even sense it from his attempt to sort of refer to them with respect in his memoirs. Sure. Uh, there's a real fear of the charisma, the charm, the intellect uh, of the Kennedys.
0: Mm-hmm. And while it's—I don't think that Ted Kennedy at the at the time of Chappaquiddick was an eminent presidential candidate yet, I think that— it, Very young still. Very young, uh, still learning the ropes— And apparently he learned the ropes well. Uh, One of his uh, assets as a senator, besides passion, was actually preparation. Uh, It proves uh, over and over that in life, regardless of how much talent you have, you must work hard if you expect to achieve results. Work, by the way, is force times distance, if you want the scientific (laughs) definition of it. Something that I've experienced Over the last 48 (laughs) hours in excess. But anyway, uh, questions do remain in my mind about Chappaquiddick. I'm not defending Ted Kennedy or excusing what he did. Uh, He fessed up to uh, negligence, essentially, pleaded guilty to a a lesser charge, so to speak, and uh, that charge was suspended. So (laughs) no jail time, uh, a minor fine, and certainly plenty of embarrassment. but let's remember that at the time, Ted Kennedy, uh, it's known to have been drinking heavily. Uh, he was in mourning because his brother was uh, assassinated just a year earlier. Yeah, less than a year, uh, going through a divorce. He had marital problems. Um, his other brother, of course, had been assassinated six years earlier, under the five and a half years earlier, under circumstances that have never been explained. And I find it ironic that this Chappaquiddick incident occurred two days before we landed on the moon. <laughs> Yell and buzz. <laughs> <laughs> this is the President of the United States speaking to you from the <clears throat> oval room of the White House. <laughs> Have you heard what happened to Chappaquiddick? <laughs> he wanted to throw that in. Well, something ironic about that, something yeah. a little fishy, but uh, obviously. Um, Ted Kennedy had had already experienced plenty of tragedy in his uh, in his young life, and uh, he failed at that moment in time.
1: Well, indeed, but uh, he endured. Uh, he was forgiven by voters, uh, by most Americans, and uh, you know was able to resurrect uh, and really sort of reinvent, especially after the uh, failure to upset Carter as the Democratic nominee uh, in eight nineteen eighty. Kind of reinvented himself as, uh, you know, a Senate yeah. guy, uh, giving up any ideas of uh, being president. Made a um, commitment to it. Yeah. And, you know, you can look at his career, and, and he's a good candidate for a what-if contest. What if, contest. Um, what if uh, the young lady, Kapetchny, I think was her name, Mary survives? Peckner, yeah. mm-hmm. What if she survives? What happens to his political career? Uh, then what happens if he had uh, successfully upset Carter? and became the Democratic uh, presidential nominee in 1980. Would Reagan have won? Um, probably not. Probably not. But uh, Oops, You never know. Yeah, these are really interesting uh, speculative questions here. And uh, you mentioned the uh, legacy of, uh, of liberalism that comes through his family and his entire career. Uh, his very strong endorsement of Obama clearly was a, a major a development for that candidacy, mm-hmm. and uh, you could see now, in retrospect, all the uh, the press are noting that uh, this is was a real torch passing moment, where the uh, progressive liberalism of the Roosevelt uh, presidency, Franklin Delano, the, through to the uh, the Kennedys and the Great Society, and now to uh, President Obama. All the more ironic that uh, Kennedy uh, succumbed to uh, illness, uh, was taken away by a hospital, if I remember correctly, during the uh, congressional luncheon on inauguration day. It was a sign that uh, he wouldn't be around much longer. Yeah. Kind Of a, in the old days, when the uh, the king falls off his horse or the uh, the general falls off his horse, it's a sign of the troops that uh, they better look around amongst themselves and see who can pick up the torch, who will be uh, the next uh, regular man's advocate in the Senate.
0: Yeah, and I hope it's Bernie Sanders. I don't think that Bernie Sanders has the sort of natural charisma of Ted Kennedy, but I do think that uh, Bernie on the issues is fabulous, and he is articulate, and he does have the passion. And I guess in sort of kind of wrapping this up, because obviously there's almost been too much media (laughs) focus on this, Appropriate though, I think that it is appropriate that uh, he was laid to rest in Arlington National Cemetery. For instance, um, ironically, Ted Kennedy served as a private uh, in the army; mm-hmm. wasn't an officer's uh, mm-hmm. man. So Ted had that common man's touch. He understood what ordinary people went through, and believe you me, the uh, life of a private uh, in the U.S. Army is quite different than that than than the officers. Indeed, <laughs> in so many ways that. It isn't. It's it's almost disgusting. But I guess I'm finally, kind of wrapping this up, there's a word, politician. <laughs> it's of course a word that m- many of us, most of us, have a kind of. We're, we're uncomfortable with that word. We don't like politics. Americans don't like politics. It's taken as an insult to be seen as. Oh, yeah. you sound like a politician. You're a politician. Yeah. You're you're compromising. You're 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 selling out. Whatever. Ted Kennedy was a politician. This man loved campaigning. Uh, I heard one uh, one of his admirers point out that there wasn't a microphone that he <laughs> didn't like, and he sometimes didn't know that the microphone was on. He used to shout those speeches. There's a kind of, you know, it's a rah-rah, and it's—but there's, there's authenticity there. This was not an act. This was who he was, and I think that it was— appropriate that uh, some of the leading Republicans spoke at the services um, and they all of course issued uh, homages to Ted Kennedy because Ted Kennedy was willing to cut the deals. He was willing to get to the finish line to move on to the next achievement.
1: Well that's part of the work
0: that you referred to earlier uh, the, the necessary research to craft
1: legislation the uh, face-to-face meetings and dialoguing, uh, and finding somebody on the other side of the aisle who uh, might be sympathetic on a particular issue or, or subject matter uh, to, to work with.
0: And we learn in civics in junior high school, hopefully, that the American system, one of its great attributes, of course, it's also a weakness simultaneously, that compromises how the system does work. And at the end of the day... Um, there has to be some element of compromise on some issues. I don't think you can compromise on going to war. (laughs) You're either for it or you're against it. And when you become wishy-washy like John Edwards and John Kerry and Hillary Clinton, you vote for the war with misgivings because you have further political ambitions. That's when you are the negative aspect of the politician. But when you are willing to do the hard work behind the scenes in the cloak room, in the smoke-filled rooms, you know, to use an old metaphor about politicians, and you're willing to reach out to the other side, I think that that is uh, an attribute that Ted Kennedy exuded better than any person that I can ever think of that served in public life. I heard an interesting anecdote that there was a new uh, senator uh, being sworn in from uh, Wyoming, I think. He has the obscure name. I don't, I don't even know what this guy looks like. His name is Barrasso. <laughs> hmm. But they said that Ted Kennedy, uh, when he came in to be sworn in, uh, introduced himself to the family of, I think his name is John Barrasso. He's a Republican from Wyoming. Um, new guy, <laughs> new kid on the block. And that's what you got to love about Ted Kennedy. He's willing to. Shake people's hands. He's willing to reach out and provide a common touch that, uh, unfortunately, is lacking in uh, too many aspects of our political discourse. And it's interesting how Ted Kennedy over the years was demonized. He was the icon. He was the poster boy of liberalism. And the Republican Party made much uh, of Ted Kennedy, the fundraising uh pitches were about Ted Kennedy there was always linkage to Ted Kennedy you could
1: probably do a search and find how many times uh Rush Limbaugh mentions
0: his yeah. name and this this it's occurred sort of for a lightning de- rod decades decades yeah. on end and Ted Kennedy didn't hold the grudges he was able at the end of the day to fold up his notebook and his causes and move on to the next cause and the causes are so numerous they're hard to enumerate here but Read the history books. Ted Kennedy was there, and uh, I loved Ted Kennedy.
1: Well, we'll uh, see as the uh, year continues to wear on and the congressional session gets back into heavy, intense gear, uh, what might
0: happen with uh, his last great cause, uh, health care reform. Yeah, Uh, and it— it a lot just, of open w- questions. Yeah, a lot of open questions. And one interesting final aspect of this, I because, you know, they announced last summer that Ted Kennedy had uh, been diagnosed with brain cancer uh, after he suffered the seizure. It was interesting how the attacks on Ted Kennedy ceased. Didn't see too much of that in the campaign. You didn't hear about linking Obama to Ted Kennedy. Of course, they brought up the usual... Propaganda in other areas, you know, he pals around with terrorists, he's a socialist, blah, blah, blah. But at least they kept Ted Kennedy out of it. And maybe John McCain, to his credit, uh, even schooled Sarah Palin, Miss Moose um, on. Yeah, don't take any pot shots at Ted Kennedy or you'll get a tannin after I get done with you. Take
1: you out to that turkey. Killing Shaq and give you a thrashing. Well, uh, of course, uh, still some uh, fallout from the decision to release the uh, gentleman charged and jailed for a gentleman. Use the term uh, however you wish. um, Over the Lockerbie bombing pan M-103. Interesting that Silvio Berlusconi has been meeting a lot with uh, Gaddafi lately, that's uh, one of Italy's biggest trading partners. Uh, stories have come out that there there were some uh, economic uh, advantages for for Britain in uh, potentially having made this decision. I don't know if we're going to have much time to talk about Lockerbie
0: today, but uh, well, we can get to it next week. It might it might be in bad taste um, because it is interesting. Uh, Some of the victims of Lockerbie were actually publicly um, extolling Ted Kennedy. They said that he um, worked the hardest of any of Hmm. the uh, United States congressmen um, on behalf of the victims. And this was partially because, I guess, 17 of the victims were from Massachusetts. Ted uh, Ted Kennedy was very good at that sort of, uh, you know, nuts and bolts, sort of meat and potatoes constituency work. If you Hmm. called him up. He'd call you back. He, he had more than enough time for everybody. And uh, I think there were a lot of ordinary people that remarked about that um, in his passing. And I found it interesting that most people said that there's hardly an American out there that uh, wasn't touched in some positive way uh, on the, uh, as a result of Ted Kennedy's work. Um, Ted Kennedy, for instance, did lead, just factually speaking, um, he was one of the leaders of the Civil Rights um, Act of 1964 that was originally legislation that originated during the John F. Kennedy uh, administration in in late 1963 after John had to kind of be (laughs) dragged uh, with a leash and collar. Uh, across the uh, Mall of Washington by Martin Luther King and others, uh, t- you know, to clean up his act um, a little bit. So uh, we'll, we'll pass on Pan Am 103 uh, this week, but we will certainly discuss it in upcoming weeks because it's not likely as a ongoing story to go away.
1: Uh, indeed. Uh, I don't know if you had a reaction to this, but there was a item, this is a minor uh, item, but... Uh since it does involve uh, no doubt privates in the military and uh, health care on a greater level. uh, We're all aware that uh, you can't smoke in government buildings and in many uh, privately owned businesses anymore, restaurants, whether forced through law or by choice. uh, It's increasingly harder to find places uh, to smoke. And as a result, Americans are in fact, smoking less, but, uh, Gee, you watch a lot of those old World War II movies and uh Sarge always has a cigar uh he's chomping on there yeah and GI Joe's got got a cigarette dangling from the lips uh or a pack of cigarettes in the rolled up sleeve mm-hmm. uh and yet a study recently commissioned by the Pentagon and the Veteran Affairs Department has recommended moving towards a tobacco-free military yeah in about 20 years <laughs> that's a, a pretty generous time they've allowed themselves And as much as I think it's a good idea to do what the government has done and to make it difficult for people to smoke Mm -hmm. uh, in their workplaces and in public places, Um, you know, if you're a non-smoker, don't need to go into the uh, terrible feeling of spending a night at a concert and Mm -hmm. waking up feeling like you'd slept in an ashtray the next day or, you know. Um, But trying to compel soldiers to uh, not smoke seems to me like a losing idea from the get-go, you're asking people uh, and and paying them really a pittance for the dangers involved in the job they do to defend uh, concepts such as liberty and freedom or even to be exploited more broadly for uh, imperialistic uh, chicanery, as we've seen in more recent years. But uh, I don't think it's reasonable uh, to even uh, insinuate that you could compel The people whose lives
0: you're putting in danger
1: do not smoke because it's not good for them.
0: Right, because there's something Dr. Strange-Lovian about it, and I mention that, of course, because I believe Slim Pickens and his uh, inventory of (laughs) (laughs) goodies in the goodie pack. In the goodie pack, I think that some cigarettes are actually in there. there's a carton. (laughs) Because, let's face it, in warfare, you, you may die at any moment, so worrying about whether you're Smoking, and of course, people do it to kill time. They do it to uh, kill some stress. And it also comes in handy, by the way, as barter sometimes. I mean, you just know, it's fact, a, yeah. factually barter. If you've got. It can become a currency. Some smokes, so you may be able to uh, obtain some bread if you're uh, <laughs> uh, missing an action, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah well, I think well, it's it, kind of a strange concept at the moment, and a low, it should be a low priority. Right. <laughs> There's other more pressing matters for the military
1: to contemplate. Uh, as a non-smoker, I, I have noted at various workplaces uh, and sort of jokingly suggested to the boss uh, at one particular place, you know, oh, I'm going to go out and have a cigarette break. But Jim, you don't smoke. I said, no, I don't. But I'm thinking of starting because everybody who smokes gets, gets like more two or three 15 minute breaks a day. Uh, so he yeah. said, eh, you know. And from that point on, you know, they had to be short. You know, the breaks were monitored. So I suppose those people hated me in a way. But uh, it it is uh, responsible for a lot of uh, downtime and so forth. But, again, soldiers, you know, they're risking their lives, as uh, you say, every minute of uh, their day. I, it doesn't make much sense to uh, try to compel them. Uh, I think the Pentagon might want to investigate some other things perhaps involving uh, problems in Afghanistan <laughs> uh, rather than worrying about uh, tobacco smoking.
0: Well, on that final note, and uh, just uh, to quote one final thing, not uh, related to Ted Kennedy, but I no- noticed that Nicholas Kristof in a uh, editorial, and he's growing on me as a, as a columnist, and just listen to this. A study reported in the American Journal of Medicine this month found that 62% of Americans Bankruptcies are linked to medical bills. These medical bankruptcies had increased 50% in just six years. Astonishingly, 78% of those people actually had health insurance. So it's good to know that the uh, rabid right is uh, ignoring, apparently, almost 80% of the people with health insurance. So more facts on health insurance in upcoming shows. We would like to thank Andrew for engin- uh, engineering this evening. Do stay tuned. Uh, Yazoo City calling coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. you.